You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, Episode 7, brought to you by Rich Homie Frog Industries. Visit at rich underscore homie underscore frog on Instagram or LinkedIn for lifestyle advice and cooking tips. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. For more information, visit DerekAndSteve.com. I think you know what we're celebrating, Derek. We're celebrating something big today, Steve. Something huge. This was big. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode seven of You Heard It Here Second with Derek and Steve. And you just heard the big news in the podcast introduction. I don't know how it happened, but episode seven, and we are no longer amateur Podcasters. We are officially professional podcasters. Professional podcasters after signing our first sponsorship deal. Real deal. A real sponsorship with, with a signed agreement. You'll see it on Instagram. Notarized. Notarized by Stephen Nicholas. I notarized a it. Notary in Boston. It is it is official. Um, you heard it there. Rich Homie Frog Industries is our first sponsor. You'll see it on Instagram in the morning when this podcast goes live. Uh, he had the 15 second pitch there which is which is what you what you pay for is the primary sponsor a very powerful message a powerful message and also a little bit of a, you know being the first sponsor deserves some elaboration so uh, we wanted to mention rich homie frog industries run by rich homie frog himself uh, at his Instagram handle rich underscore homie underscore frog mm-hmm. uh, should also be credited for his incredible ph- philanthropy and enabling two young naive and wide-eyed boys to pursue their goals and their dreams he's just a a benefactor of sorts and <laughs> he- it's uh our first sponsor. He's really, really doing the world a favor he, in in giving us the the extra step we need, the extra boost we need. We are now officially professional podcasters. We, are. Um, we won't de- delve into the details of the actual agreement, but it was a lot of figures. There's pretty big numbers. There's some huge numbers. numbers. Numbers that might surprise you, like giant numbers. Yes. Um, he signed. Do we? Do we? Should we say how long they're signed yeah. on? Yeah, he signed for a four episode. Four contract. episode contract. Um, the sponsorship, uh, I guess, slogan will be changing to right. Um, obviously, under our discretion, to uh, whatever he would like. So, welcome, Rich Homie Frog. Rich Homie Frog, the first, first sponsor. So sponsor. You'll see it on our Instagram. Uh, you can also go to his Instagram, uh, Rich underscore Homie underscore Frog. Uh, and that's where you can get more information on what this whole thing is about, Rich Homie Frog Industries. Uh, the next three episodes after this one, you'll be hearing that name because they have purchased the first sponsorship uh, with You Heard It Here Second. And other news, that is not the only sponsor. Correct. This show. We actually have two sponsors. We do have a secondary um, sponsor sponsoring one of our segments with one of our guests yes. that will be coming on mm-hmm. in the second quarter today. Yeah. So. so we have a special guest, and their segment has been sponsored. It is another sponsor. Incredible steps out. here in the seventh episode yep. of You Heard It Here Second. So that's our opening kickoff, really. That big topic. We, yeah. You know, nothing else. We're excited about it. We're excited about it. It was a big deal today. Some, you know, time was spent today and the past several weeks. You work know, some hours. Long nights, long nights, work hours. Oh, yeah. To be able to hammer this thing out, to finalize it. Uh, we mentioned that our client had gone away last week, was in Canada last week. Uh, CEO of Rich Homie Frog Industries I thought was the, not in the country. I thought the deal was going to fall through. Deal we felt like it might fall through. We were um, we were on the edge, and then just big, powerful handshakes towards the end you know, of the day. Both like sides stand, stand up from your seat, handshakes. Both sides agreeing they got to get this done. Yeah, you know, it was for the greater good, and it they it got done. And, and you know, a credit to both sides. It was actually the initial offer that ended up being the final deal. Yeah, uh, no, no real bargaining on either side. It was both, a, both parties happy to work with each other. It was a silent auction, and they went big right up front. They, went, they did, they yeah. did, and so it's a it's a PSA to everyone else out there is that you can be episode uh, whatever the math is there episode twelve. You know, after Rich Primar- Frog primary sponsor, or out. you can sponsor any section. Right. Well, I mean, we'll exactly. probably give everyone. I mean, the primary sponsor gets the most, obviously, but the primary sponsor gets the big deal and gets talked about a little bit. But we'll mention but the your secondary, stuff, whatever you sure, want, for sure. Secondary's <laughs> in there, and it doesn't have to be a company. It doesn't have to be a product, like we said before. It can be whatever you want, whatever you're willing. I might spon- I might sponsor something. Yeah, 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 and just make it random. Yeah, I'm gonna sponsor Derek Smells. Yeah, th- there you go. This pro- this this section brought first you, quarter is brought, brought to you by, by Derek, Derek Smells. Smells. Yeah, that yeah. can work. Bad Derek Smells. So, bad. Derek, right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, cool. So. 
Uh, that brings <laughs> us to the first quarter, which is not sponsored, but I'm sure that will be changing soon. First quarter after, unsponsored. After everyone looks at how many great things are out there and the possibility yeah. of sponsorship. So, uh, so the first quarter is our sports section, and we promise to those of you who are not always huge on the sports section, it's not going to dominate our podcast today. We have a lot of other things to get to. Uh, as I mentioned, we have uh, our guest coming on in the second quarter, as well as uh, a little game for you guys in the third quarter, and then closing up with your favorite topic, The Bachelor, in the fourth quarter. So lots of good stuff today. I will say I don't like that The Bachelor's taking over our podcast. I, I agree, but it's not taking over necessarily. You it's, just said what everyone's just, favorite part. Well, I your, was... Your favorite part. Yes, yes. I was targeting the people that are really excited about it, because that's why we continue you to put it on. You are excited about it. That's why we continue to put it on. Our sponsor is very excited about it as well. So, that's true. Uh, so the first quarter here is the topic that I am going to suck it up now that I'm a, I'm a professional podcaster, and I'll talk about something I don't want to talk about, which is Championship Sunday. It's uh, my that just favorite happened. topic. Uh, the New England Patriots lose to the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers crush the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, we'll break down these two games and give some quick thoughts on the Super Bowl. I'll let you start because uh, you're more of a neutral fan in this situation and I am not as neutral. Yep. But I'll still give my honest breakdown uh, to the Patriots fans out there and we'll close the book and move on from it. So what are your thoughts on Championship Sunday? Um, are we doing game by game or should I just do yeah, let's start. Answer? Let's start with uh, the Patriots game. Okay, start with the Patriots game. First of all, classic this playoffs. Really kind of boring game, tough to watch um, in the first few quarters, maybe in third quarter, and then all hell breaks loose in the fourth quarter. Um, I think Brady was pressured 23 times. Hit 23 times. Hit 23 times, which is double what his like season high was. Yeah, double his season high and the most in the last decade for any NFL um, quarterback. And, and you hit the nail on the head. You called it last week and the week before. That's what you need to do to beat Brady is is get those happy feet and and have and they had unbelievable D linemen Von Miller and Demarcus, Demarcus Ware were forces to be reckoned with they they could not be stopped and it there was a there was a section um, and this is not to bash the Patriots this was just unbelievable play by the Broncos defense and defensive line specifically where there was like three sacks or like two sacks and then like a hurry in a row and I was like it's embarrassing like if you're that offensive line what do you do it's it's you're just on this national stage getting manhandled. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was weird because they did such a good job the game before against, against Kansas a, City, which against is another also good, good D line. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. I think the Broncos came out, and someone made a good point to me today, and I hate to make this excuse, um, but the first um, non call for that pass interference, which I, I'm, I'm against Gronk, like in the first drive or something. Um, it could have been, couldn't have been. I, I say let them play. I'm more of like the mm-hmm. physical football side of it. But when you let the Broncos know that they're going to get away with stuff like that, they start coming mm-hmm. at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they did. They they didn't even have to blitz. They yeah. just had their D-line rush in. Their DBs put hands on Gronk every play. They, they were very physical at the line. Um, to New England's credit, they were still in the game. I have no idea how they were still in the game. Neither do I. Not... <laughs> I, I, I honestly have no idea how it was that close. Um, and it comes down to, to the kick. <laughs> to an extra point. Which Belichick pushed for, I think. Belichick that's, did push for the rule change. And yeah. it's, it's, that's the irony going around on Monday morning is, yes. is that is the how ironic that situation is that uh, that's what comes back to bite them. I mean, I uh, like overall, I like that rule change. And I, yeah, and, I, I mean, I'm glad it stinks that it's the Patriots for, yeah. for Pats fans, but it, I'm glad it made a difference because. Kickers need to make that cook, and he makes it ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, that, I think it was five hundred twenty four. Some I, I don't remember the exact number. A lot, a lot of straight uh, makes for Gostowski on those extra points. Granted, a lot of them back when it was a short extra point, not a thirty three yard extra point. But regardless, you know, it is insane to to think that that's what the game came down to, given how badly it felt like the Patriots got outplayed for most of the game. Uh, we can go back to the episodes. For in the last several weeks, like I said, where I will take a team that's going to go into a shootout with the Patriots any day over a team that has a defensive line like that. Uh, I think that the game being in Denver was a huge deal as well. We talked about the quarterbacks winning at home in this mm-hmm. matchup. Uh, in a place like Denver, I was reading plenty of stuff after the game that talked about how the Patriots had to go with a silent count. You can't do any hard counts. You can't try to keep the defensive line out of rhythm. I mean, Von Miller was past the defensive, t- uh, the offensive tackles, whether it was Volmer or uh, Cannon, I think on the other side, whoever it was, Von Miller and Demarcus Ware were past those guys 
immediately. Before I mean, Brady I mean, got I the mean, ball, defensive ends were sometimes untouched, which is which cannot happen. That's I mean, bad. it's not good and, for your quarterback. It's not good at all. And and they talk about the all twenty two footage, which a lot of the, these reporters are able to watch. And it's something that I would actually be fascinated to look at because on some of those uh, aerial views from behind the quarterback, kind of seeing what the quarterback can see. It was, you know, it was really eye-opening to look at the fact that Denver was dropping all of their linebackers into basically a flat zone across the middle of the field. Nobody's nobody's catching a slant across the middle of the field. Mm. The linebackers weren't even looking at the quarterback. They're just looking at the receivers. They're jamming them, and then they're standing in their zones. And by the time any of those receivers were able to get free from that, Brady was hit by that point in time. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I meant about this is the single consistent formula that is always been the formula that beats the Patriots if they lose. You know, whenever the Patriots have not gone to the Super Bowl and won, it's always been a team like the Giants, the Ravens, the New York Jets, the Denver Broncos, who has a defensive line that can get to the quarterback without blitzing. Denver blitzed 17% of their defensive snaps this past week, which is an incredibly low number for hitting a quarterback 23 times. Insane. And ridiculous, really. I mean, ridiculous defensive line play. And when you can do that, I mean any quarterback but particularly pocket quarterbacks like Brady are going to struggle I mean they're not going to they don't have the time to break down what they what they need to uh, you know defenses that blitz a lot Brady has always picked them apart his entire career because you can identify the blitz and you can throw at it because that's a hole in the defense if you're blitzing by nature that's a hole in the defense when you don't blitz there's no hole in the defense and you rely on the fact that you have time to wait for a hole to open up when you have a combination of what Denver had, which is extremely physical and athletic cornerbacks jamming at the line, safeties that are head some, of, some of the only safeties in the league that A, will headhunt, and B, can actually match up with Gronk for a little while. I mean, yeah. TJ Ward can physically match up with Gronk for a little bit. And then when you have a defensive line perform the way they did, there's nothing that can be done. I mean, the except for get a better offensive line and get a running game, which were the two big things that the Patriots didn't have in the situation. So... You know, I, I wish I could say that this shocked me, um, but it really didn't. I, I was optimistic. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I predicted the Patriots to lose. I predicted them I to did. win. I, I thought that, I predicted it. I thought that uh, I thought the Patriots would be able to overcome this, but you know that Denver defensive line was was extremely extremely dominant. And you know, once you started watching the game, it became evident that this was not going to be easy for the Patriots. So, my questions, so and it may be a painful one, but you agreed to talk about. Oh, of course. Things this, you don't want to talk this about. This is the 10 minutes that I talk about this stuff that I don't want to. Knowing that you could have basically put the nail in Peyton's coffin mm-hmm. and, it, and end the whole debate once and for all, if Peyton wins the Super Bowl here, what are your feelings? I mean, I know you feel Brady's still better because of X, Y, or Z, but how does it, like, does it, yeah. does it irk you that you could have just ended the, ended the conversation? Absolutely. It, it irks me that, uh, it irks me that, we can group the Mannings together in this conversation. It irks me that the that yeah Brady that this is this will always be the one thing that Brady cannot answer about his career. Yeah, is the performance against the against the Mannings. It's it's those two guys <laughs> are responsible for five of his playoff losses, and it's 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 insane. And and it's yes, it's very it irks you quite a bit as a Pats fan to to see Manning go back there. Um, I mean, my unbiased opinion is that the is that the the Panthers are going to win. That to be honest, yeah. it doesn't have to do with the Manning thing. But but it do, it does irk you a little bit, and I think you know obviously I'm gonna obviously I have a stake in this, and I have a bias in this, and I'll I'll still make the arguments for for Brady, and also I think Brady's gonna play for another four years, and I think he's gonna have plenty of chances to continue to to build upon his resume. I don't think by any means this is some kind of be all end all, but you know it, what it does do is it guarantees for for the most part it guarantees that Peyton will retire having the three to two edge in the playoffs against Brady and the three to one edge in the AFC Championship games now. There's plenty more that can be discussed about the defenses they had, about the home field advantages they no, had, about you everything. No, you can't discuss that. So, this um, is a pure Brady versus Manning. <laughs> this is. And it's, so, it's not that other. And, like, and, and I guess I, I would just close by 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 reminding <laughs> reminding the Peyton uh, the Peyton fans out there that uh, if he does win the Super Bowl, it's a it's a great story for him. Obviously, it's a great story for a guy that I like. I mean, I I've loved to root against Peyton his entire career, but. He's a tough guy to hate. I mean, he, you know, he's very personable. He's very much a class act. You know, he's easy to hate as a part of a rivalry because he's, he's part of the not, rivalry. He's hard to hate. No, no, only within a rivalry context, yeah. he's easy to hate. And and it, he's so it's good. one of those situations where the year that he missed, you know, when Curtis Painter was the quarterback against the Patriots, the year that he was out, I just said, I don't like this. You know, I, I want to face Peyton. I, I hate, 
I hate I love to hate him, but I also love that he's a quarterback in the NFL and that he's he's part of this era. So I will remind everyone that if he wins the Super Bowl this year, uh, his first Super Bowl will have been a, a playoff run that he threw three touchdowns and seven picks. And oh, his geez. second Super Bowl will Here be a season in which he threw nine touchdowns and 17 picks. So uh, phenomenal putting the team on his back and uh, not needing much of a defense. But no, uh, oh, obviously joshing around with them. Uh, Derek, you know, Peyton has, don't do uh, it. <laughs> Peyton has uh, gotten there again, and we'll see what happens in the Super Bowl. So. I'm I my I obviously didn't get the other game right, but my Super Bowl winner pick is still, alive. still alive. I picked yes. the Broncos. Yeah. And I, I, it's looking good. Although the Broncos opened at a three point five underdog, underdog which is actually Panthers. which is not as much as I thought it would no, be. No, I'd be, be more. Um, I might take them with the spread. Yeah, I mean, well, if everyone, if if anyone learned anything from last week, they should know that you can't go in here and say that the Panthers are going to steamroll the Broncos because everybody said the Patriots were going to roll over the Broncos. So I think you have to at least give credit where it's due here that the Broncos' defense is for real. <laughs> I mean, it's better than Carolina's defense, and and we're all praising Carolina's defense right now. Broncos defense is even better than Carolina's defense. So, and I think Peyton uh, Manning is the best quarterback <laughs> in the league right now. Um, what I will say, what I will say to close up on the Super Bowl thoughts and why I'm picking the Panthers, um, com- from a completely unbiased standpoint, um, I-, I honestly think that the Broncos defense, like I just said, has the exact blueprint, like I mentioned, to beat Brady and the Patriots. It's it's from Brady's career and the Patriots' uh, whole history with Brady and Belichick. That's the blueprint to beat them. I genuinely believe that that blueprint is not the best at all to beat Carolina because what Cam is going to do against that, if you're going to drop everyone into coverage, is that if Cam can slip by the first guy, if he can if he can evade Von Miller, which is you know still not an easy task even for Cam, but if Cam can evade Von Miller and then get through the pocket and step up a little bit with everyone dropping back to cover Ted Ginn and Greg Olson going down the field, Cam will take the seven yards that he's given every time. Brady needs to have everyone... 20 yards downfield for him to be able to rush for eight yards. I will you know, I will say this. I, I agree with that, but I also think Denver's defense might be the meanest that Cam has oh yeah, seen. He definitely. didn't play a lot of very like menacing defenses. That The Broncos will hit you hard. Yeah. They are big and they are physical. Um, and he's, I don't know, I mean, he, he he's very confident. Yeah, he jumps around, but like I think if you can get to him early, it's a similar thing. Like yeah, if he's going to be running, they're going to be gunning. Yeah. So it's true. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's nothing to, I don't think it's a sure thing by any means, but, um, it's the way that they beat the Patriots. I don't think is, is necessarily going to work against cam. I think they will need to factor in more blitzes. Like I said, I think if they drop everyone, cam will be able to run for yards against them. Uh, they're going to need to play more of a contain than an all out pass rush, I think. But at the same time, cam has shown everybody this year that he doesn't, you know, containing cam and making him throw from the pocket is not the answer either because yeah. he's making phenomenal throws from the pocket so uh it's it's going to be I'll, I'll revise my original thought i thought it was going to be a really boring super bowl if the broncos faced the panthers that was because that was in the heat of it was the in the, it was in the heat of the moment eyes it was also with, eyes filled with tears but it was also no, no no i'm saying before the afc championship game before okay. going into championship weekend i felt that the broncos would be a boring team to watch in the super bowl because of their offenses and you know struggles over the past several weeks you know, seeing Peyton at least be able to make some throws in that game. He made some good throws to, to Owen Daniels. He didn't light it up by any means, but he didn't make mistakes like he had been previously. He he made a few throws that at least you have to respect now. He's making aerial throws over the top to the tight end. Um, given those things and given how dominant the Broncos' defense looked against who I might say is is maybe a better offense than Carolina in the Patriots. They're a much different offense, but when they're clicking, they, they're arguably a better offense. Yeah. Seeing Denver dominate them, it's gonna be, it, it, it leads me to believe it should be a good Super Bowl. It's going to be fun because, I mean, they know that they're not, they don't have to hold Peyton back from anything anymore, so I think they're, both teams are going to throw the ball yeah. 40 to 50 times. Um, both teams have no running game. I mean, well, Carolina's got a good running game. So, it's 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 I built mean, upon the option, but again, exactly, it's built more on the quarterback than is it the is. But uh, that's another reason, though, that I that and, I and both defenses are great at stopping the run. I think th- it's they a are pass heavy game. They're good at stopping the run, but the, it gives me pause because the Panthers' running attack is not a standard running attack. I think when you have a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive end, I mean, think about it in the college game. You know, when you have an option attack like Carolina does, you can choose not to block him. I mean, you can choose not to block Von Miller or DeMarcus Ware, and you can have the quarterback read that play every time. I, think I, that I know works. that's a college mindset, but the Panthers have shown they can run that op- that option offense, the read option, pretty well. You know, in in doses. Obviously, it's not going to be their main point of attack, but 
if they can run a handful of plays where they can leave DeMarcus Ware unblocked and they can go double Von Miller, it, it, I'm interested to see if they run something like that yeah. with their with their option running attack. I don't know. I'm just thinking like at one point the um, quarterbacks for both teams, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, were the leading rushers for both teams, and they both probably have one run a year, maybe two. Right. And they're, right. they look and terrible. And Brady finished as the lead, leading rusher for the Patriots. Yeah, and that's not just because they have pretty bad running backs at the time. They also have – the teams have very good run defenses, and right. the Broncos right. do. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. It's going to be it's gonna be interesting. It will. It I will. still pick Broncos to win. Let's pick numbers. Numbers, okay. Yeah. I'll go first. I'm going to take Carolina to win the game. Uh, A trillion to zero. <laughs> One trillion to three. No, uh, I'm going to pick the Bronco, uh, the uh, Panthers to win. Uh, let's go with. Uh, I'm going to say twenty nine to sixteen, Carolina. Ooh, big win. Twenty nine sixteen. I'm going to say Broncos win. Peyton gets two TDs again. Um, total twenty seventeen. So very similar to AFC title game. Yes. Yes. Cool. So 2017 Broncos versus 2916 Panthers. Um, before we move on, we would like to play a Carolina <laughs> Panthers fan song. I yes. don't know if you've heard this one. I Have haven't. You? Nope. So this one's a good one. This is uh, not as good of a production quality as the ones last week, um, but it's made the rounds on the internet a little bit, and it's a very Carolina Panthers fan vibe. So uh, That's what we're I like. play this for you, and then uh, we'll move on to our interview after this. Oh, boy, I have one more football thing yep. to say. Go for it. Jameis Winston makes the Pro Bowl. He does. He makes How the Pro Bowl. How about it? The Panthers had like 11 Pro Bowlers or something, yeah. so they're all out of the equa- equation so now. you so and me might of, make the Pro Bowl. We might get called up, so uh, we'll see. <laughs> all right, so here's uh, Ked Woodley with a song called Dominate the Foe. Carolina Panthers with sharp teeth and claws. We growl to win this game. We call pro football. <laughs> Our offense and defense so intense. Your team will be the losers if you got a lick of sense. You dig the NFL, my lyrics and my rhymes. You eat up what I'm saying, spitting fly hip-hop lines. Lightning fast, big black cats, panthers kicking ass. Yo, with a TD or a field goal. Gonna get that W, dominate the foe. Carolina Panthers with sharp teeth and claws. We growl to win this game. We call pro football. When running, passing, or pitching the ball, we got blazing, mesmerizing plays, y'all. Wanna holler at your top cats who cheer and turn us on. Give me them digits, I'll call you on my phone. Lightning fast, big black cats, Panthers kicking ass. Yo, with a TD or a field goal, gonna get that W, dominate the foe. We Panthers keep pounding, paid lots of dough. Soon to be our victory at the Super Bowl. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> what are you doing? So there it is. Dominate the Foe by Ked Woodley. It's no. Great, there it is. It's perfect. It's exactly what we're looking for. That should for. not be presented on any <laughs> medium. It is exactly what we're looking for uh, going into the Super Bowl. So that wraps up the first quarter. Thank um, goodness. Thank goodness for that. So now we will turn our attention to the second quarter, which Ooh. the second quarter, as we mentioned. The second quarter is brought to you by Firetrack Friday. Check out DerekAndSteve.com for a link to the Spotify playlist. All you need to know is that it gets the people going. That's Firetrack Friday playlist on DerekAndSteve.com. There it is. So go check it out and get the people going the with people those jams. People are going. So now we introduce our guest for the second quarter, which is Dr. Kenny, who is going to break down making a murderer for us. Kenny, how are you doing today? Good, man. Uh, let me first say that I'm a huge fan of uh, Firetrack Friday myself. So I'm really? proud sponsored by such a great organization. That, <laughs> yes. that is excellent. Good to know. That um, is- and Sometimes seven week listener, if I can make one suggestion for the podcast, it has to be that Derek needs to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's, uh, we're, actually, we're, we're talking about that. We're we've had that it. conversation, so we're trying to get him to speak not at all, which would be nice. Yeah, which, that'd be great. Th- that, that's the end goal, but we're, we're trying to take baby steps to get there. Um, but I'm as excited to be on this podcast as Cam Newton is after running for a single yard. <laughs> yes, that's nice. You definitely planned that. It's a good one, though. I like it. Okay, so uh, let's get into the making a murderer uh, diagnosis here. So 
Uh, there will be some spoilers in here for those of you listening. So we'd like Hot. to start it out. Uh, Kenny, we want to know what your opinion is on what actually happened. And then Steve and I can also give a little bit of our insight into what we think might have happened in this whole thing. Okay. So for those of you who don't, who are listening, who don't know who I am, I'm a former roommate of the famous James Murphy. And I do <laughs> maintain his same life philosophy that if it can be watched, it will be watched. <laughs> Um, so Making a Murder, uh, I thought this was an unbelievable documentary by Netflix. They're just killing it on all levels. Um, sad, very sad. Felt very sad for Mr. Avery there. Um, I will say that there seems to be two very different camps um, in terms of what people think. Um, they either think he's completely innocent, um, the cops set everything up and it all has to do with the cops, or people think that he did it, but the cops just planted the evidence to make, make sure he got caught. Um, I am in the camp that I think he's completely innocent um, and that the cops were really pretty sketchy. Um, but what do you got? What are your guys' thoughts on it? I'm, I will say I, when, you, when you brought up those two camps, I was like, I hope they're not. Because the second camp where people think he's, he did it but the cops also help, I think that's true. I think the – You think he did the crime. Well, I think the consensus among – I think your, your, your estimation your is – Your analysis yeah. is correct that – the people I've talked to think if he's in it, if he's guilty, the cops still had something to do with it. Um, okay. But I think you know, I was pretty upset because it was it was confusing. Um, I was very confused. <laughs> but I will say, I I do think he did it. But I will say that I don't think the evidence that was presented in those trials was enough to convict him. Um, I think that there was way too much tampering, way too many coincidences. Um, for it to be a straight up guilty life sentence, um, I'm leaning towards he did it because only be, I mean it was kind of a biased. Um, it was documentary, but they didn't present any other sides, so I only have one thing to go on: innocence or guilt. Yeah. And if I have to choose one, I'm choosing guilt, but in a more fair trial. Yeah, I reasonable doubt. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And and I so I guess my stance is uh, I think I'm with Kenny on this one. I I, I kind of lean towards thinking that he's innocent. Um, uh, you know, it's like you said, there really is no direct alternative, and that's why I think the jury ended up you know giving the verdict that they did is that there's no presented alternative to what happened. And so, you know, th- there there's things that are there that are considered not admissible that are still stuck in their minds, such as the Brendan Dassey testify uh, the testimony. You know, that's something that's dismissed ultimately as not being able to be used in that particular case. But that's already in their minds and they've already heard that. And there's no alternative being presented to them in part because, you know, the the defense attorneys weren't really allowed to pursue any alternatives. So uh, for me, that was a little bit of a, a red flag as well. I think that all of the circumstantial sketchiness, I guess, that is presented throughout this entire case is what adds up for me. And then to, to see kind of towards the end of it, again, spoilers, but towards the end in the present day that he's still just digging through his own case file it means that he's either a psycho or he or he's innocent to me I both mean, are it's possible one, it's, they're both possible yeah. for sure um but for me i just i i kind of was looking in all of the different pieces of what Stephen avery's saying throughout his calls and everything throughout this thing i'm just looking for some sort of a slip or a gap that will make me kind of believe on a personal level that he is either unstable or or crazy or, or you know some, let something slip that makes me believe he did it i just didn't get any of that when it's coupled with all the hard sketchy find- evidence yep go ahead yeah i agree it's it's hard to find that and i i think the sadder part about this whole thing is the whole brendan dassey side of it because yeah. that poor kid like just got berated into saying something that he read in a book basically um and then the kid is not smart at all um <laughs> he didn't even know what the word assistant meant and then when he asked his mom his mom didn't even know what that meant so he doesn't even know what words mean and he's being expected to be like a reliable person to tell you what the evidence and what actually happened in this case was i don't buy that for a second yeah yeah i completely agree so leading into the next question i guess that's you know sort of a a little bit of a shock that that was you know used as part of the core piece of this case what were some of the biggest shocking moments for you throughout the documentary and throughout both steven and and, uh, brendan's trials so I think the biggest shock for probably everybody was that episode when they found the blood vial that had been tampered yeah. with. Yeah. I, how that evidence coming out didn't have any bearing on the case. Because they didn't show that part of the trial, I don't believe. And I feel like that was one of the biggest p- pieces of evidence that was pretty pretty much there telling you that the cops were, were tampering with something. 
Um, and just along those lines, like anytime there was any kind of scientific um, process going on with this trial, such as from the EDTA people coming in the last minute and saying that that blood that was in the car had to have come from a body and not from a test tube when they said they weren't going to be able to get in for like months. And then the DNA lady who like said she uh, used her own DNA in the sample so it wasn't able to be used, but then it was okay to be used. Any of that scientific evidence DNA stuff that they tried to use to prove that he was guilty made no sense. And none of it was admissible in my eyes for any court, but they let it happen. And it was so <laughs> unbelievable because that's what everybody was basing this case on was this guy's DNA was all over this crime scene. And nobody could explicitly tell you that it was his DNA or it wasn't. Yeah, I think the fact, and you hit the nail on the head, um, the fact that they didn't use that tube with the syringe hole in it as a, like that, that, yeah. didn't, that, 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 that didn't blow up the case yeah. is and, insane. Yeah. And the fact that that's a, that's a piece of evidence from 1985 that has red tape wrapped around it to secure it. And that tape is cut open, like with a knife, yeah. clearly just cut open and that it's been, it's been accessed. Awesome. And, yep, go ahead. They put scotch tape back over the tape. <laughs> <laughs> They did, Scott. They they were not very, they were not good criminals. They were not good at tampering. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and it all just falls back to this guy Lank, who is who wrote the report about that piece of evidence related to that piece of evidence was there back when that happened. It's just so much to to really look past. I mean, the fact that that that, that the extent of that was just that EDTA you know inquiry kind of. You know, I agree with you, Kenny. It's kind of outrageous that that didn't really blow up the case more than it was at least shown to us to have to have done. Yeah, um, that that Link character is yeah. of a guy because he was at every single time that something popped up, like some new evidence when they found the key, when they found all these different things on the site. He was there, and Manitowoc Sheriff County was not supposed to be at, <laughs> on the crime scene whatsoever. They were supposed to be completely out of it, and every single time they found something, he happened to be there. Yeah, rem I mean, remarkable. The, uh, the key was found, I think, on the eighth entry into that apartment. Uh, the bullet, on the, just the, on the, the floor, the, on the yeah. floor, right, right next to a, a bookshelf. Uh, the bullet in the garage was found on like the in like the fourth month of searching that place when Lank finally showed up with uh, Colburn. I think it's just crazy stuff that that kind of was all tying back to the same guy or two. Yeah, the other thing that didn't really get. I don't know, like as much attention in the in the documentary was the fact that Andy Colburn called in that license plate two days yes. before the car was found or and after the after Teresa was missing. Yeah. How does that make sense? He has to be looking I totally agree with the defense attorney. He had to be looking at the car at that time. There's no way that he would know that off the top of his head and know what the make and model was if he wasn't looking at it. Like that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's why like I, I I am confused about the actual ending because it seems like it was, it not cut and dry if he did or not, but definitely cut and dry that it's, it wasn't. Yes. You're right, guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean it's cut and dry that the cops did a lot of dirty work during this case. Right. It's What's not cut and dry is is kind of going back to what you said, Kenny. As far as the two camps is that did they did they do this because they kind of because they, you know, Stephen was guilty and they wanted to make sure that it was a strong case against him so that he didn't get let out or anything? Or is it a case of, you know, they didn't know who did it and they wanted to get Stephen Avery because of the other thing that gets glossed over. They were being sued for $36 million and they were on the hook for the entire thing until yeah. magically this Stephen happens to murder someone when he's about to get $36 million. Yeah. So that's another thing that, that kind of is very, again, circumstantial, nothing concrete, but really makes you question, you know, when you put it all together as a sum... It really makes you question it. The other thing that doesn't add up is the way Stephen Avery acted the whole time. Like, he yeah. really acted like a guy who was innocent. Like, I don't know. Like, he didn't have any, like you said earlier, Dick, he didn't slip up. Or there was nothing that was like, yeah, he's definitely guilty because he did that. And then, like, you got to think, if you're about to get $36 million in a lawsuit, why would you go and kill someone? Yeah, and motive was not discover, uh, discussed at all yeah. in this entire, entire documentary. All right. Now, are there any other big shocking moments that you want to reveal or, or talk about, or we move on to no, different moments? What other, the other, what other the moments? The only other thing that was, wasn't really mentioned a lot or wasn't like seen as big evidence, but I thought was, was the fact that somebody testified that they thought that the bones had definitely been moved from one spot to another. 
Like, why would he move the bones when he could just have put them in the, that bonfire originally? Yeah, and also, right. he had a car crusher on his property. Why wouldn't he just crush the car? That's the other thing I didn't get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, I, I, we can talk all day about why things happened and why they didn't. We don't know. But, right, right. right. But I don't know. You're right. It all seems to kind of point towards. I don't think it points towards innocence, but it definitely it points towards yeah. not and, like and not clear guilt. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. the thing is that that's what the defense attorneys reminded us time and time again is the presumption of innocence that he's supposed to have in this case, which he did, and and he did not have in this case for sure. Um, yeah. But so Kenny, moving forward, uh, what were some of the maybe funnier moments on the light light lighthearted side of things? What were some things that maybe yeah. you thought were funny about this documentary? So I thought the, one of the best parts of the documentary was that you really got to see what life is like in East, like way out there, Wisconsin. <laughs> like people are so funny. Like when they, when the mom and Brendan were talking to each other on the phone, and the conversation every single time just started with "Yeah, yeah." yeah. That was so good, and I've heard that people are starting to make drinking games that you have to drink every time somebody says "Yeah, yeah. on that shit. <laughs> oh my gosh! And so good. <clears throat> my other favorite quote from the mom was that she was getting mad at Brandon because he was like trying to change his mind about something, and she says, "Don't get strange, Brandon." <laughs> that was so good. That's uh, a good one. Hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. The other thing was uh, Ken Kratz, that that uh, prosecutor. Who we hate. Sexting, sexting the girls and stuff at the end and then getting kicked out of his position. And yeah. also yeah. the fact that his voice does not match his body type at all. Oh, my gosh. That's so <laughs> true. true. He's got He's this... a big fat guy. He's got this ladyboy voice. <laughs> <laughs> and when he, he came back at the end with the shaved mustache, and he was like, yeah. oh, man, this is weird. Yeah. yeah. I'm ashamed that I have to share a first name with that guy. <laughs> uh, well, I share Stevens. Yeah, yeah, everyone's sharing names in this thing. Um, the other good thing, very good thing about this was the hot newswoman in the press conferences. Oh, yeah. TV, you both know who I'm talking about. Yeah, and she was so anti, like, she was, like, basically, it, she was asking the questions you wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah. She was going to get Stephen Avery out of jail if she could. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Also, uh, underrated, we'll, we'll talk about this. Kenny, I want your opinion. How yeah. does Stephen Avery get so many girlfriends while it being yeah. in prison for half his life? Dude, I mean, that has to be the jail thing where the girls, like, love the guy, the bad boy in jail. That don't, <laughs> when, like, Aaron Hernandez went to jail. He got all these, like, love letters and all these crazy people saying how much they loved him. And I think because Stephen Avery was such a high-profile person after he got released from, like, his innocence, that, like, girls just wanted to be a part of that, and they wanted the attention. So I think that's why. But, yeah, you're totally right. I don't get it at all. Three – in, in the ten episodes, yeah. he basically got married three times. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and his final girlfriend for seven years remained his girlfriend without ever being able to have a contact visit with him. I, yeah. I mean, had never met him before that. <laughs> She's old. Her last, his last girlfriend is very old, very weird. And I love um, at the end he goes, and I think she'll want to get married. So, so we'll get married. So we'll get married. <laughs> so we'll get married. That's how they do it in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving forward, Kenny, uh, last couple topics here. Any things that you think that the documentary might have left out? And then I believe that you might have a, another uh, theory about this to finish it off uh, that you've mentioned yeah, to or, us. Or quote, unreal conspiracy, which, I, which I'm yeah, very excited for. All right, so a couple of things that they supposedly had left out. One, it's a pretty pretty big damning evidence against Stephen Avery is that apparently he would he was kind of obsessed with Teresa Hallback and apparently called her multiple times and sometimes was calling her like using a, the Star Six Seven like blocking his number. Mm. Um, but they never really like proved that. They didn't put that in the documentary, so I don't know if that ever came up in trial or not. Um, the other thing that was said was that he once came like to the door and answered the door when Teresa came over when he was in a towel, and people have been thinking like, oh, he's he's trying to do something sexual with her because of that or something. But what I think that report didn't really say, and that probably was the case, was that he had that like above ground pool, and there was a report that he was coming out of the pool and going to answer the door to like let her in to take a picture. So. There was like people freaking out about that, but it actually—I don't really think it was that big a deal. Huh. Um, so I don't know, but um, that—I mean—the documentary itself was a little bit biased. I think—I mean—it was all one side, but I also don't know that it necessarily 
I don't know that there's a lot on the other side that's really going to refute anything. Right, mm-hmm. right. Okay, so, so yeah, the conspiracy. conspiracy. And this was unbelievable when I heard it. Oh, I can't wait. So there's this guy, his last name is Cameron, and he lives in Minnesota now, and he's a retired police officer. And he spent his basically his whole career chasing down the serial killer named Edward Wayne Edwards, which is the most unreal serial killer name of all time. <laughs> And, um, he has a website. It's called coldcasecameron.com. And basically, this guy watched this documentary, and he basically said that everything about this crime is the M.O. of this serial killer. And what he thinks is that this Edward A. Wayne Edwards, basically this serial killer, was killed people from the age of 12 until he was 76 years old. And he killed over 100 people all across the country. And his M.O. was that he would kill people and then he would plant evidence um, and things at the crimes that would um, incriminate other people. And he got Congress people, like tons of high profile people in jail for these crimes that they didn't commit that he did commit. Um, And there's a conspiracy that he actually killed Teresa and set up Stephen Avery because Stephen Avery was sort of a high profile person in the area at that time since of his release. And um, they know that Edward Wayne Edwards was in Wisconsin at the time that Teresa was killed. Really? Uh, yes, they know that. And um, they know, like, with his MO of doing these things, that, the, like, the guy, I guess, watched this and was like, this has got to be the serial killer. Like, everything makes sense with what he does. One thing that the guy said was, his one of his ways he would kill people is he would bring he would kill them like by shooting them in the head like they say that Teresa died from, and then he would bring them into the woods and he would dig a hole in a, in the ground and then he would put Teresa's like or a, a person's body in the hole with explosives in the hole and then he would cover the hole with a log and he would light the explosives off so it would blow the body to smithereens and then he would use those broken pieces of body. And plant them like around the scenes of his crime. To, like, wow, this is gruesome. Like, yeah, it's pretty gruesome. <laughs> but that's how he set people up. And it would. And it, the guy was saying that when he looked at the bone fragments from the fire pit, they looked like they definitely could have been, um, you know, exploded like that that killer did. Um, but the most incredible part of it is that in the documentary in episode six, it's called "Tracing the Evidence." At uh, time mark 12 minutes and 33 seconds, uh, this Cameron guy says that Edward Wayne Edwards is seen in the background um, of the documentary. So it's a shot of Ken Kratz in the hallway about to go into the courtroom. And there's about a five second shot just holding on Ken Kratz. And in the background, there's a guy and he looks exactly like the serial killer guy. If you look on the website. I just, I just got chills. I really yeah, did. It's really weird. And um, the the police officer guy said that that was another part of this guy's MO is when he would set people up. He loved to go to the trials and sit in the back and like watch the trial and see that he, he got the person to be guilty. Um, but really he committed the crime and was sitting in the back of the courtroom. <laughs> Whoa, so, wow. unbelievable spin. Everybody should check it out. If you just Google it, it'll come up with still shots. And if you go to the episode and watch it, it it'll send shivers down your spine. It's so creepy. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's incredible. I would that's, so take a look. That is unreal. Flip the whole thing. Yeah, well, that was a great descriptor of that before the episode. Unreal conspiracy. I completely agree. That's that's insane. I can't wait to go check more of that out and uh, everybody else should as well. That's yes. wow. That's uh that certainly lends that could, that could sway people even. I mean, I mean, just to have, we were just talking this whole interview about that, how there's no alternative presented. That's, that's what happened. Yeah. I know what happened now. <laughs> yeah. That, that's and incredible. Cameron guy has gone on like multiple media websites. So it truly is a, you've heard it here. Second scenario here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can go on and like, listen to the guy talk about it. And he kind of explains it more eloquently than I do, but it, it's very, very interesting. Wow. That is interesting. That's a great, you are a great, expert on this subject <laughs> thank you sir yeah you came in with some hot topics yeah, which i love that was good that um, was good. any final thoughts on the show or um our podcast in general 
thank you for having me on. I know that I have been uh, Don's, the official, you've heard it here, second uh, injury report specialist. I'm kind of the, uh, the medical guy in, in this crew. So um, as of right now, no injuries to report since the season. <laughs> Reed, uh, Reed got a concussion. He did. Yeah. Oh, Reed did? Yeah. yeah. Uh-oh. Skiing? Of course, shredding. That's not good. Schmear in the pow pow. Schmear in the pow. <laughs> get... um, but yeah, I think the whole offensive line for the Patriots should be fired, uh, <laughs> and we're we're on to spring training. The Patriots did fire their offensive line coach today, Kenny. I don't know if you heard that. Do that about time. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you very much, Kenny, for joining us, and certainly we'll be having you on again, as that was a pretty solid insight and very groundbreaking news for us. So uh, thanks again, and we look forward to having you on soon. All right, boys. All right. Thank you, Kenny. Great segment there. Kenny really murdered that segment. He did. He, there's no question about that. <laughs> he killed it. He, he is guilty it. of murdering that segment. <laughs> no uh, questions about that one like we have questions about other ones. So uh, that brings us to the third quarter. Not mm-hmm. sponsored by anyone. So Still could not be, sponsored. Could be yours next week. Um, but this week, third quarter is a game for you guys. Uh, a game that you can play at home or on the or at work or, or wherever or you on are. on the road. On the or, train. Or, or on the sidewalk. Or wherever you're listening to it. That's the great thing about podcasts. In outer space. Anywhere, in outer space. So this is the trivia game. Uh, you guys have probably, many of you might have played Stump Trivia before uh, at bars. You know, fun place to play it, or you can play it at your house or wherever you want to. You can play um, Trivia wherever you want. Another great thing about Trivia, you can do it wherever you want to. So uh, this is a, a particular part of Stump Trivia games, which is kind of the guess the person uh, type of yep. question. So uh, we're going to start by giving you a really vague clue. We're going to have five clues in total. Play along at home. You should be able to guess this person by the fifth clue. Uh, that's going to be the most obvious clue, but we're going to start you're incredibly impressive if you can get it on the first clue and then so on and so forth and if, if you, you can get the person. If you'd like more time to, to think in yeah. between the questions, pause it. feel free to pause it. Yeah, great yeah. thing about podcasts. You can pause them. You can pause them, <laughs> listen to wherever you want and whenever you want. And, and do anything while you're doing it. It's, it's really great. It's <laughs> a really great medium, guys. I'm telling you, you should be a professional podcast. Third quarter but... sponsored by podcast. So uh, here we go, Steve. You can get us started with the first question. Uh, sorry, the first clue. First clue. Uh, this person is six foot three inches Born June 14th, 1946, in Queens, New York, age 69. There we go, 69 years old, six foot three, born in Queens. Think about that one, fans. So now we got the second clue, which if you want more time, just give it a pause. But here's the second clue. Uh, this person has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and has one of the top five ranked TV show catchphrases of all time. So star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Six foot three has a top five ranked TV show of all time or catchphrase of all time, age sixty nine. Um, next clue: He has been married three times. His kids' names are Ivanka, Eric, Don, Tiffany, and Baron. There we go. So a lot of fans might be starting to get this one, but uh, if you're not and you still want to play along, don't Google it. That would really be a boring way to do this game. Try don't to do it. pause it and just think about it. Uh, But here's clue number four. Uh, This person once went from the brink of bankruptcy and is now uh, having a net worth of $4 billion. Some cash. That's some cash. (laughs) We might be worth that if the podcast sponsorships pick up. We won't tell you how close... To four billion, we are yet, but we we knocked out a pretty good chunk with yes. our with our first sponsorship. So we did. Um, all right, number five and the last clue. Um, this person is a presidential candidate, um, and if you don't know him by now, <laughs> you fired. <laughs> and so the answer for those of you who have not guessed it so far, it is Donald Trump. Donald Trump, who is the answer to our trivia question. So. Mm-hmm. That's a little kind of interactive thing. Yeah, you know, that was fun. Give it a try. Hopefully it was fun. I had some fun. I, I think people might have had fun with it. I hope it was fun for I, you. I think it's good for people to pause it and, and think about it. I and, doubt they will. They probably won't. But as long as they play and as long as they give it a try, I think it can be fun. Yeah. It might even be better to not pause it because they can't go look it up. They just got to think about it and kind of fast-paced. It's so. too fast-paced. So that was it. That was the third quarter. That, that was that, crazy. That was a good little trivia game. Uh, we'll see what our feedback is on that. We, we really have never tried that before. That's so a first try for we'll sure. We'll see what the fans think of that, and then we'll maybe bring it back in the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, that quickly brings us into the final section, which is the fourth quarter. Which uh, dun, is pretty dun, much going to be about the Bachelor. The Bachelor, today everyone spend, loves it. We spend two hours every Monday night watching the Bachelor now, which is way too is long. Way too long, but it's okay. So, uh, so the Bachelor, our fans uh, continue to write in. They continue to want to talk about it. And Steve had a big Bachelor week. Huge. We're talk- we've been talking week. about this this pool that you're in and how looking at it from a guy's perspective is the way to go. And 
I will speak firsthand to the fact that before this episode started, he made a couple of, you know, some good calls and also a really bold call, and they all just, not all, but most Should just bam, some, bam, yeah. bam, just yeah. nailed them. Yeah. So, so you can speak to that. Uh, um, first of all, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Don't listen if you haven't seen it. Um, but first of all, Olivia should be off the God, show. I don't know what the that hell is, Ben is thinking. I called her to be out, and I, I'm counting that as a win. She should be out. She should be. I don't Th- know. That was a producer choice. She was. She's a terrible person. She's weird, awkward, and should be out. So I count that as a win. Um, uh, also picked Jubilee to be out. She's also awkward. I don't. Yeah, like, but I. He likes her a lot. I can see Jubilee, that. Jubilee. I just feel like he's not an awkward guy, and he shouldn't be going with the awkward girls. But. Anyway, I agree. The big bomb drop, the big, the one. big call. I was like, you know what? I think tonight's the night he gets rid of one of the twins. And so I, I picked up our, our our league thing. I started draft, putting the girls in who are who are going to stay. And I looked at the two twins and I said, Haley's going home. Haley's going home tonight. Dropped her, kept Emily, split the twins up. Huge move, crazy move. No one saw that coming. Didn't think he had the heart to do that. I saw it coming. I'm saying right now, yeah. what a call. And not only to call that he would split the twins up this early, but also pick the right twin. Pick the right one. I mean, come on. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm Ben Higgins. It's pretty good. You you basically are. You basically are. I'm basically Ben Higgins. So uh, as far as the episode tonight, um, some weird some weird stuff. Very weird choice by Ben to uh, pick that uh, marriage date. It's really, really weird choice. Very awkward. Um, Strange. Gets down on one knee, asks if he, if uh, Becca will marry other people. other people with him, which is a super weird and awkward date to choose. Um, but so they, they marry some people who definitely were part of the producer setup there. People yeah. weren't just rolling in to be married by Ben Higgins, I don't yeah. think. And uh, he was like, he was like, yes. He was like making funny jokes during <laughs> it. And you're just like, okay, this is weird. Yeah, he's yeah. like, hey, bro, what's up? Like, uh, you nervous? <laughs> like, it just uh, did not feel very natural, but uh, nonetheless, it's a TV show, it was, so whatever they want to do. They but. really, really, really pushed the awkwardness in this they episode, did. and I they didn't did. like it. They, like they, the they, Olivia- cut, they killed the music during Olivia's one-on-ones with how awkward it was, yeah. the talent show, all of that. It, yeah, the the wedding scene, yep. even... I don't know, when he was just talking to random girls, it was weird. And yep. even the upcoming show, I don't know, I've, we don't watch this often, so we don't know if this is how it usually goes, but it seems less high drama and more high awkwardness, Yeah, which is not great television, yeah, I don't think. There's certain, the, the drama almost uh, spins out of the awkwardness. Yeah. You know, They have these incredibly, painfully awkward moments where the girl will get up to, to go interrupt yeah. having a conversation with another girl. It seems very simple. They could just all get 10 minutes or something, but instead it's this highly dramatized girls getting passive-aggressively mad at each other because one goes up and interrupts the other and... You know, she's going to talk to him for the second time when and this one just, hasn't talked to him at all, and it's just and they just get up and leave. And they're they, just like, "Can I borrow and they, him?" None of them say okay. no, exactly. Uh, and they all ask the same question you just said. They say, "Can I borrow him or can I steal him?" Yeah, that's, that's the only th- two things they say. Um, so it's just kind of weird. It's you know, it's it's different. Uh, I w- but I, w- I will say this: if you guys haven't seen the SNL spoof from Saturday of The Bachelor, <laughs> and you actually watch it. It's very spot on. It's not super hilarious because it's just exactly right. Yeah. But it's it's bland man and he all the phrases he just says to the girls and all the craziness they say to him and he just accepts it and rolls with the punches. <laughs> it's very funny. It's called Bland Man on uh just YouTube it. It's an, it's the SN, SNL skit on the Bachelor yeah. and it is funny. So so check that out and 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 just the bland responses are just so spot on as always and and you know we thought we were seeing it today with Olivia going crazy. And kind of saying how she wasn't being herself and basically being laced, reincarnated in Olivia. That was the first um, time I've seen him be like, what are you telling me? And, and what's like, going on? He's like, what's happening? Stop. Yeah. Like, well, like, I don't know. Stop doing this. Yeah. And then he, and it's, it seemed like he was just trying to like pacify her to send her home. And for some reason he kept her. And I don't know if it's a producer thing. I don't know if, I don't know what it I is. I think it but is. I think it's all staged. It's, Sorry to break everyone's I, I mean, it's, yeah. I, to see, I mean, they, 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 they put Olivia on the screen for like 40 minutes yeah, of, the, way too of much. the two hours today. And it's uh, it kind of had that feel like they were doing that to send her home. And then, again, the last second she gets kept. So a lot of the, that feels weird and unnatural. But uh, before we close up, and uh, again, we have a lot of our fans will probably be chiming in as this thing gets closer down to the wire. Mm-hmm. And we'll plan out our big Bachelor 
prediction episode maybe or yeah. something before the finale. Maybe we'll release a, a Monday episode so that you're ready for it that night. But what are your predictions now? We talked about this earlier today. If we had to make the early call on the top three, we're not picking a winner yet. Let's pick a top three. I know we talked about this earlier, and two of us have – we have at least two of our picks, I think, are aligned. But who's your top three right now? Um, my top three, the number one's obvious, Kayla. Yep. Kayla goes all the way. I think – I mean, I don't know if she wins it, but top three, definitely. Um, our second one was JoJo. Yep. I think he likes JoJo a lot. Um, I – from the previews of next episode, I might change that up because I yeah. think she's she kind of is wavering a bit. Yeah. Um. And I, I, you know what? I think Leah H. Leah H. I think the golden retriever. <laughs> she, I, I think she's, she kind of like is the leader. She like reads yeah. the things and and I don't know. She's, yeah. She's got some swagger. She seems funny. Um. And she, she was shown in the next episode, as like, oh no, what do you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that happens every time, and they don't get kicked off. So I think right. she's fine. Right. That's why I think JoJo's okay too. Yeah, for now they don't seem to spoil those um, types. So of those things. are my three, and I, you can put it in the bank because I am. <laughs> you, you, you have a good bank. track record so yeah. far. So, uh, like we said, our picks were a little bit aligned today. I'm also going with Kayla and JoJo. I think front runners right now. I mean, after this episode, it seems they're hot clear. right now. It seems clear. I mean, they're they're way up the top. At, you know, good stats, th- th- great stats, great performance, shooting threes like nobody's business yeah. right now. Um, Kayla got aggressive this episode. Yeah, decided she was going to put her foot down and, and go for it, break some records. Yeah, and so. Uh, so she made an impression on Ben. Maybe that's the way you do it in this in this quote unquote game, though. I don't know. It's like she kind of hit. You know, she was hiding a bunch of stuff about her, and then she kind of slowly is adding pieces to that. Maybe that's the way you do it with this. I don't know. But uh, but yeah. So her, you know, she made a, a, a good step forward today. Few big plays. JoJo, you know, huge one on one date. So that's a big one. I think Great she's game. she's a locked in right now to continue pretty far. And so my third pick is going to differ from you. I'm going to go with Amanda in my third pick. Mm. Um, who that's a bad pick. Who I, I who I <laughs> I said Amanda to you during the episode, and actually the preview is looking pretty good. You know, one of the girls even in the preview said he's falling for Amanda, which was kind of a surprise. I no, thought. but he, then I mean, Amanda starts talking about Olivia. That's true, just, but you know. but then the question is whether yeah, it depends how he takes that. Whether a girl talking about another girl is bad on. The girl being talked about or causing the drama or the girl who's kind of like ratting out the girl. My question, my honest question is, has Ben seen Olivia's toes yet? That's because no one else has. No one has. I Googled them. I couldn't find them. Yeah. They're hiding them from the TV, which is insane. Bad sign. Bad sign. They must be bad toes. (laughs) They must be real bad toes. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. Yeah. And that might be the main reason you can't pick Olivia. Because if if they won't show them, then, you know, there's got to be something wrong. Yeah. So. That's. I mean, I can't see any other reason why yeah. they wouldn't show her neither, toes. Neither can I. I mean, they show everyone's toes. They all the close ups and everything. So, <laughs> so that so there you have it. Our there there's our early season top three picks. Check uh, out Steve and I are are aligned with two of them, and we differ on one of them. So. Check out Bland Man, the SNL skit. You won't regret it. It's five you will minutes not regret of your day. It. So, uh, that ends the fourth quarter. Done. Ding, and we'll go to the final drive. Uh, I'm going to let you pick. You want to go first? Or you want to go second? I'll go first this time. First, because uh, you went first last time. Cool. Um, so final drive hashtag Daytona day. Now I hate NASCAR. I hate it. It, I think it's stupid. It's too long. It's whatever. But I saw me and Rob saw a commercial that was like hashtag Daytona day. And there's a bunch of people partying, people dressed up like rednecks, people racing in the office, people betting on turtles racing, not barely one race car. I don't think there were any in the entire commercial. And in my head, I was like, that's what NASCAR needs. NASCAR needs one day. They need a Kentucky Derby style day where you just, we don't care about horse racing except for those three days of the year. And then we go nuts for it. We dress up and it could be the opposite of the Kentucky Derby where you dress, you dress down, you dress like a redneck, you put on your uh, Dale Gordon shirts, your, your Dale Earnhardt Jr. shirts, Jeff Gordon shirts, um, drink Bud Heavies and, and wear overalls. And you just like party all day and it's a Sunday. Um, which I think is probably a good thing. I think that's when the Kentucky Derby usually is a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, Saturday. Um, so you have the day off. Um, I wouldn't recommend watching it. Uh, I don't know if that comes into play on Daytona Day, but I think having one day a year where you care about NASCAR would be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, that's and it's, that's it's, it. It's an event people will get into. I want one event for NASCAR. I don't want it. I barely want it to exist, but I can give Just it like one day. Racing. And if I, if it comes for one day. I'm I'm all in. There you go. I'm all in. Daytona Day. So get excited for it. It's gonna happen. I should I should look up the date. 
Um, so you look that up, have that for the end. Yes. Uh, I'll quickly do my final drive. Uh, this is for the Pats fans. This is for the people who are, are, are still upset about the loss. Uh, it's my advice for Bob Kraft. Now that the season's over, now that there's no conflicts, it's time for the offseason. Go get your draft picks back, Bob. Go fight the NFL on it. Go get them back. Uh, all these scientists have come out in the last year uh, pretty definitively showing that no footballs were deflated in the infamous deflate gate. Uh, never happened. No evidence that it happened. Footballs weren't deflated. Uh, Tom Brady's still pending and fighting a four-game suspension. Patriots lost two draft picks, first and a fourth-round pick, the heaviest penalty in the history of the NFL uh, for something that didn't happen is pretty severe. So uh, I'm saying, Bob, go get the scientific community riled up. Uh, make the NFL release the PSI numbers that they recorded this year, which they're not going to release because they know that it will exonerate quite a bit of what they've uh, punished so heavily. So uh, I say now's the time. Season's over. Go get your draft picks back because it's important for building teams. First-round picks are important uh, for building NFL teams. So that's what I'm saying to the Pats and to Bob. Go get it back. Fight it. If Bob's listening, I think he takes your advice. I think so, too. I mean, he might be looking to sponsor us pretty soon, so I, he might want to be listening in. So. Yeah. So um, Daytona I, Day? I did get the date, February 21st. Um, I will be hosting the inaugural Daytona Day party if you would like to join. There How you go. That? Reach out to us yeah. and join in. So that's all we have here on Episode 7, a historical episode for us. Great episode. The first episode we became professional podcasters. So thanks again to Rich Homie Frog Industries uh, for being our first sponsor, as well as Firecheck Fridays for sponsoring the second quarter today, our great interview with Kenny. Historical day, and we have a lot more coming Big on the way. Big day for us, and they only get better. They only get better. So right. thank you guys. See you next week. Deuces. <laughs>